0: In the beginning, when you don't have a big audience, it doesn't hurt to get out and have a phone call. If you're not willing to do that, then you're probably not likely to (laughs) go a long way in podcasting, but maybe I'm wrong. Hey, this is Jared Easley, and you're listening to Starve the Doubts. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm repurposing an episode from my friend Dave Jackson over at School of Podcasting. He recently had me on his show, and it was quite the surprise. I was just expecting a normal interview, and it turned out to be something really interesting, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. So for this week, we're repurposing an episode of School of Podcasting from Dave Jackson, and I hope that you enjoy. Thanks.
1: Let me get to this awesome Awesome interview with Jared Easley. Now, you can find him over at starvethedoubts.com. And when we're talking about the book here, if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com forward slash 426, if you buy the book there, of course, I get a small commission for that. So it's a way to benefit both myself and Jared at the same time. But stay tuned. There's some really cool golden nuggets here in the interview and in Matt's story coming up. There are certain things that really will make me a fan of you and uh one of them is if you make me think or inspire me to do stuff and today we are joined by mr podcast movement himself one of the four horsemen or the fab four or whatever you want to call them jared Easley, also of starved doubts.com jared thanks for coming on the show buddy
0: oh i appreciate that david and for any of your listeners who are wrestling fans if i'm in the four horsemen i want to be rick flair <laughs> so woo.
1: But you were at the podcast movement. You said, hey, my book came out today. It's only 99 cents, which uh, it's not 99 cents anymore, but it's definitely worth the price of admission. And I went and bought it and started reading it two days ago and literally just blew through the whole thing because I just could not put it down because the cool thing, it's called Podcasting Good to Great, How to Grow Your Audience Through Collaboration. So let's just start off with the typical kind of questions. What inspired you to write the book? The book actually was
0: a presentation that I had done on a webinar a few months before for John Lee Dumas's group the Paradise group and mm-hmm. And I remember that was kind of a way we were really trying to push ticket sales for podcast movement at the time. So Dan Franks and I went to John and said, Hey, could we provide a presentation that's, you know, value some content piece to your group? And then, you know, at the end, just kind of say, Hey, by the way, podcast movement and conveniently send them to your affiliate link. And he loved it. He was like, yeah, let's do it. I've really been big on this idea of working with other people it seems to work for me better than anything else that I've tested and tried and. And I haven't been podcasting for a real long time, David. I've only been doing it for about a year and a half. But I remember those first several months were just brutal because it's like, man, how do you really grow an audience? You know, everybody says grow an audience, but how do you do it? And I had a lot of trouble and I got so frustrated with it, David, almost quit. And maybe part of my problem was I wasn't actively listening to Podcast Coach and shame on me. But it is what it is. So school of podcasting. So we did a presentation on how to grow your audience through collaboration. And we just gave some of the points that outline in the book. We went through it, and at the end, I got a lot of messages and a lot of people reaching out to me. Some of them I knew and some of them I didn't, just really excited about what we had talked about. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. That message really hit home with a few people. And the more I thought about it, I realized, okay, that should be repurposed to another presentation or something else because there are people who enjoy hearing that, that needed to hear that, that wanted to start looking at other ways to grow and Obviously, Podcast Movement was coming up, and I knew, okay, here's an opportunity. How can I make the most of this opportunity? And I noticed a friend of mine, Ellery, he had written a book in Amazon, and he released it. And it just didn't get a lot of results uh, that it probably should have gotten. But he teamed up several weeks after his launch with a gentleman named Jimmy Burgess. And Jimmy was actually at Podcast Movement. But Jimmy's strength, his skill is helping new authors with their best launch possible at Amazon and getting at the top of whatever categories they're in, assuming, you know, they're realistic categories to get number one in. So I uh, noticed that Jimmy and Ellery teamed up. They worked together. They did a relaunch of Ellery's book and it hit number one in a couple of categories. And I saw the screenshots on Facebook and stuff. And I just thought, wow, that's fantastic. Good for Ellery. Obviously, this guy Jimmy knows what he's doing. That's it. You know, I could repurpose that presentation from the Paradise group a few months back and I could probably sit down and just be real dedicated over a couple weeks and just really pound that out and share the best I can. I'm not really a writer, but Do my best to translate that into a Kindle book. And I bet I could have a book ready by podcast movement. So I presented that idea to this guy, Jimmy. He thought it was a great idea. So we went all in on it. I worked really hard on it. And I had some blogger friends give me some advice because I'm not a writer. I'm a podcaster. And worked it out. And the next thing you know, uh, the book was ready. And we launched it that Friday. That was our official launch and it did really well, David. It surprised me how well it did. Now part let's not kid ourselves. It was a ninety-nine cents book and there was two major podcasting events going on. There's podcast movement, obviously, which was a huge deal. And then there was also a, a smaller conference going on in the UK on that Saturday. So we leveraged both hashtags and, you know, had people from both groups obviously getting the book. And man, it was just exciting. It was fun. And it encouraged my wife, because my wife like never thought I'd write a book and she saw me working through that process and then she helped me pick the cover of the book and you know she's like is he really writing a book and then she saw it on Amazon she was excited and then she saw it hit number one in three categories and that just pumped her up it got her excited made her believe even more in podcasting and what's going on in this world and the different things that I'm working on and I would say it was worth it just for that
1: how cool is that number one and number two did you hear him say I'm not a writer But a guy that said, I'm not a writer, just explained how his book went to number one in his categories. So keep that in mind. It kind of goes in with last week's episode when we talked about the things that hold you back from podcasting. And one of those is fear here. He was like, well, let's see what happens. I'll take this and put it into a Kindle book. I got some help from Jimmy, who's this book guy and following his advice. What do you know? And it became a hit and I understand why it's a great book. So uh, let's go back to Jared. Well, let me read you a review here. First of all, right now, as we record this, you have 61 reviews. I'm sorry, 64 reviews, all of them five stars except three. And that was a four star. So we need to find those three people and (laughs) politely smack them. But check, this is what I put. I said, it's a quick and easy read with action items. Oh, plenty. You need to read the book. And then here's the thing. You need to go back because you have. It's such a Jared thing, man. You are like Mr. Connections guy that as you go through the book, it's stuff like you read the content, but you're like, oh, here's another great resource and I was constantly reading the book and hitting links and watching that, and then I'd go back, and so the actual reading of the book was almost like this whole experience because I'm hitting all the links that you put in there, so there's tons of uh, links and resources, and it said, and if you ever wondered if some actions work, because some of these things are not earth-shattering, like, I don't know, maybe mention your listener in your podcast. Now, we've all said that, but the cool thing is, is you give both the podcaster perspective, but also, you're an avid podcast listener, and you explain like how when you heard Cliff Ravens' crash to mention you in his show like it just makes us all giddy when we hear our name in the show so you explain here's some things that people have done and then you also talk about and here's the reaction they got and that's to me i was like okay this is cool this is like a white paper that explains here's some things that you can do and here's the results that you can at least from this example expect and that to me just made my brain explode and when you can get me thinking and charged (laughs) up i'm ready to go so awesome yeah and now here's the fun part flying home from podcast movement and i'm walking around the dallas airport getting ready to fly back to houston and i see a guy with a podcast movement shirt on and i'm like all right i guess i could sit anywhere but let's sit next to this guy i know he's a podcaster and like hey i'm dave jackson uh, i see you went to podcast movement he's like yeah blah 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 and i said man it was just a great one of the best events i've ever been to i can't believe it was their first time it was awesome and this guy's name jimmy burgess
0: <laughs> how funny
1: and he goes yeah I, I know he goes i uh i actually helped him with his book and blah blah blah." and he said you're a guy that knows everybody <laughs> and i'm like well how coincidental that you know your book is how to grow your podcast through collaboration let's go back like two. what would it be because uh, this is the whole thing the new media expo keeps changing their name but like two new media expos ago you really wanted to go but you didn't Tell the story about how you kind of got involved with some of the people that you really looked up to. (laughs) Well, I didn't have a podcast at the time, David.
0: I was starting to listen to podcasts like some people are now and they find your show and they get excited and they just want to consume everything and download everything. And I was that guy. And at that particular time, I started hearing everybody on all the shows I was listening to talk about New Media Expo. And this was the summer of 2012. So this was in New York City. And at the time, financially, right or wrong, a small baby, so on and so forth, just couldn't make it work. And I remember that was crushing for me, as cheesy as that sounds. You know, I felt so connected on some level to these podcasters that I really wanted to go to this and be around them and connect with the people that were going to be there. And I wasn't able to go. And I remember seeing the pictures that flooded in on Facebook when it was going on and people having a good time. And then there was meetups. And I remember the meetups really caught my attention because I thought that's where the money is. You know, you obviously have great sessions and stuff, but then people hanging out afterwards and or beforehand or whatever it is. And I didn't really think too much of that until later when I was planning to go to New Media Expo in January of 2013. I wanted to make the maximum impact that I could and, and connect with as many people as I could. And again, I had not started the podcast yet. I had had a few ideas, but I just hadn't started. And I figured going to New Media Expo was going to be the thing that really got me in gear and and fired me up. And so I was talking with a buddy of mine and and we were talking strategy. Yeah, we got to go to this and we got to do that. And then it occurred to me, hey, there's meetups. There's going to be meetups. So you know, these guys are going to do meetups. Remember seeing the pictures in Facebook and Twitter and just dawned on me, Dave was like, I wonder who sets those up. You know, did they set that up themselves? That's probably a lot of work. Hey, maybe that's something I could do for them. And I'm like, well, I've never done a meetup. I don't know anything about that, you know. But you know, why not? So,
1: so why not? That is one of the keys here. And here again, he said, "Remember, I wasn't a writer, but I guess I'll write a book." Well, I've never organized a meetup, but I guess I could do that. You've probably heard this quote from Zig Ziglar: "You can have everything in life you want if you will just help other people get what they want." And you'll hear that kind of theme throughout this entire conversation. Let's go back to Jared.
0: reached out to my buddy and I, we reached out to John Lee Dumas, and he was so brand new at that time, David, like he had not accomplished anything that he has up to this point. He was very, very new, but he was getting a lot of buzz because he was interviewing a lot of really big names of people that are real popular in in certain spaces online. And we reached out to John and said, John, you know, we love the show. We know you're going to be speaking at New Media Expo. We would love to host your meetup and John's like oh man that'd be great that'd be awesome and and so we did we organized the first fire nation Meetup and it's a funny story, David, because that particular meetup was held the night before New Media Expo got started that particular year. And it was at an, the In and Out burger that was close to the Rio casino. And there was a total of four people that showed up to this thing.
1: <laughs> well, on the other hand, to me, I always say embrace your small audience because you can make a really big connection. I mean, when he was at the House of Blues, a podcast movement, he looked like it was like a scene out of the Godfather, man. Everybody's <laughs> around the table.
0: Yeah. It was, it was nowhere near that level I was just four. People and I bought his In and Out Burger. I think he got a double double, and I actually paid for that. And I was excited to do it. And so we sat there and had burger with John Lee Dumas, and he's sitting there talking about Entrepreneur Fire and what he's up to and how he got into it, and and I recorded that conversation on my iPhone. I was so excited. I know it sounds horrible, but.
1: It doesn't sound horrible. It sounds like somebody who's excited to meet a podcaster. I would love to hear that particular. I'm sure you got the recording somewhere. That would be interesting. Either give it to John or somebody just to see. Here was a guy. This was before John Lee Dumas was John Lee Dumas. How cool was that? And it's a beautiful thing that they did that. And here again, what's the worst that could have happened? Jared could have said, hey, John, would you like me to help you organize your meetup? And John would go, no, that's right. I got it. But he went ahead, moved ahead, took some action, and made a great connection.
0: I had an app on my iPhone. I just hit record and put it on the table so because
1: <laughs> it was so cool
0: at the time. And, Absolutely. And, um, okay, so that was one meetup. But the point of this is, David, is I didn't have any experience in meetups, but I thought that might be a way to connect with someone. And it totally worked because we reached out to John and said, who's doing this for you? And he's like, actually nobody, but I was wanting to do one. Well, we went to a couple other people like Jason and Jeremy from Internet Business Mastery, went to uh, Cliff Ravenscraft. And I think that was it that particular year. But we went to several people and said, hey, can I do this for you? Can I organize your meetup? And they were all quick to say, oh, man, you would do this. I don't have to call these people. I don't have to get menus, I don't have to, you'll do all this for me? Yeah, absolutely. And they didn't know me at all. So maybe that was a little bit risky on their part. But I reached out, got menus, found restaurants, found whatever information they needed, got them in contact with the right people. And next thing you know, it was almost a seamless turnaround for them like jason and jeremy had a uh, meetup at the buffet there at the rio and i got all that in line so all they had to do was basically send an email and then fax in a an authorization form or whatever it was it was pretty easy
1: and uh, the great thing is again in the book podcasting good to great how to grow your audience through collaboration which you can find at school of forward slash 426 he has a section on how to hold a meetup let's go back to jared and Cliff was able to help coordinate his
0: meetup. So next thing you know is I'm connected with these guys. And Pat Flynn had already done his meetup. Uh, he had already organized it. I guess he was an overachiever and he would already planned it. But <laughs> I went to him and I was like, hey, I did uh, meetups with all these other guys. Maybe if you do another meetup, I know you're going to be speaking a lot this year. Maybe I could help you plan that. I mean, And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And so sure enough, after New Media Expo, I was connecting with Pat and I was helping him schedule meetups in different cities he was going to for different conferences. And that's kind of how I started to get connected with those guys. It was never, you know, this cheesy fanboy thing. It was just like, hey, you're going to be here. Let me help you set up your meetup. And that created a powerful rapport between me and them so that later on when I did launch the show, those guys were real quick to be guests on it or to give me an opinion or whatever. And I tried not to leverage that, but it definitely worked in the sense of giving me a connection with them.
1: Now, does your background have anything remotely close to like an organizer? or What's what's your background? (laughs) No, not at
0: all. I I mean, I had a project management background, but meetups and events and things like that, no, I've never messed with any of that. I I do enjoy going to events, but I've never planned them or organized them at all. So this was maybe a little bit of a scary thing, but at the same time, I was like, I can figure it out. I can always ask questions. I can learn what I don't know. And it's not like they were paying me, so... I figured that was the best way to learn. And the results were always great. You know, the meetups were really, really good. People had a great time. There was all these pictures for social proof on Facebook and whatever. And, you know, I may not have gotten mentioned in those posts, but
1: there were some times that I did and then other times I didn't. But and here's the thing. Notice he doesn't really care here that he's in the picture. It's nice that he's in the picture in some cases, but that wasn't his goal. Listen to the true takeaway from this. At the end of the day, the people that I helped, they knew I helped them. Absolutely. And in, the thing I, I like about the book is, I was thinking about this. I don't think there's an idea in here where it's, well, sit there. And the people will come. It's all about reaching out. It's reaching and connecting with people. There's no as much as it's smart passive income. There's not a whole lot that's passive in the book here. And one of the ideas that I wanted to talk about because when I read it, I was like, "Really?" And you even kind of mentioned that it's like you know what I was going to say, "Really?" Was telemarketing or not telemarketing? Uh, teleseminars. <laughs> teleseminars. <laughs> yeah. Telemarketing's a whole other way to grow your audience. <laughs> right, right. Teleseminars, <laughs> and you're trying to explain how there's someone that you've heard use this technique. And can you kind of explain like how they're connecting because you said that you actually called in and you're connecting with other audience members as well as the person that was running the teleseminar and and give us a little behind the scenes on that
0: well when i heard the word teleseminar i thought of man that's an old school technology that makes me think of beepers or something nobody really uses that but the reality is there are a lot of people that use conference call technology and they don't necessarily jump into the webinars yet because their target listener their target audience knows how to dial a phone right And they want to make it as simple as possible. And this gentleman named Kerry Oberbrunner, who's also in Ohio, by the way, David, it's a great guy. Kerry basically has a group that he does... You know, different calls with group calls. And he uses freeconferencing.com, which is a completely free resource for people to host conference calls. And it works and it's simple. And I remember thinking, I don't know about this, but I dialed in and I listened and I was wowed. I was like, you know, people were interacting and it was a big group phone call that was, of course, organized and structured. And there was a framework with it. But at the end of the call, I was like, man, that's fantastic. I'm not having to sit in front of my computer. I actually went for a walk around my neighborhood. And I thought, you know, that was a cool experience. I wasn't having to sit, you know, and watch a webinar where I had to, you know, pay attention to all these slides or whatever and type in a chat box. I could just be on the call and listen, or I could maybe jump in or whatever. But I just thought that's innovative, even though it's an old technology. That's different. What if podcasters had an idea and just said to their listeners, Hey, by the way, let's, let's just jump on a conference call. Maybe some people would do that. And that. May not be a big deal to the host, but it would be a big deal to the listener who gets a chance to be on that call with you and actually interact with you. And Cliff does this from time to time. I, you know, I've not seen him do it all the time, but I see him every now and then do the talk shoe method and I've never really use TalkShoe myself, but Cliff uses TalkShoe, which is an app that allows you also to host conference calls. And he'll do a little post that says, hey, I'm going out for a walk and I'm going to be on TalkShoe and here's the conference line. And the next thing you know, seven, eight people call in and people are just talking on this call. And it's fun. It's different. It's a unique experience with the host or the host has with the audience. And so I told people who are reading the book, hey, here's an opportunity. It may not be for you, but it's something you could try. It wouldn't cost you any money, and you could have really powerful results where the people who dial into that call just have a deeper connection or they have a perceived deeper connection with you because you were on a phone call
1: with them. And I want to uh, jump in here. A service that I've used, also free, is called uberconference.com. That's U-B-E-R, conference.com. If you use the free account, you can have up to 10 callers. If you go for a whopping 10 bucks, you can have 100 people on the call. You can actually dial out. These all tie in with Facebook and Google Plus and profiles. And the thing I like about it, is if you're going to be doing it weekly or monthly, you can actually set it up ahead of time, and your fan base can kind of say, yes, I want to attend this. And then when it comes time for the call, they'll actually get a text that says, hey, the call is happening. It's really, really cool. The other thing I like about Uber Conference is the fact that their recording quality, while it's not CD stereo, it is better than any other service I've played with. Now, I haven't played with the one that Jared mentioned, but most of them are like 32 kilobits per second maybe 64 but it's 64 stereo this was 96 so pretty cool and you can actually have it set up that as soon as everybody connects it starts recording automatically and it's free like i said if you want to check it out for up to 10 people it's a uber conference there's also an app for them so that's my uh, if you want to do a a teleconference that would be my recommended resource let's get back to jared yeah it makes you more accessible and it just grows that connection you ready for a pop quiz (laughs) i'll do my best this might be edit point one. <laughs> Do you remember how you met Lovell? Man, I I believe I met Matt Lovell through
0: my podcast and through Twitter. I believe it um, is. Th-
1: that's the correct answer. Twitter.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: But here's the thing, because he told me this story, and I was like, "That's cool." That somehow he had like you know mentioned you in a tweet, and you actually tweeted him back, and he like tweeted you back, and then you said, "Time for a chat." <laughs> And he was yeah. like, "All right, direct messaged back his phone number, and you actually called him." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I did. that was the beginning of it. Okay, so I'm going to pause that here, and let's go now to Matt, where you can find him at mindthegap.net. And it's interesting here; we talk about these little things that you can do, things like you know when I said John's name at the beginning of the show here from uh, Let's Talk Metal Detecting and Treasure Hunting.com. John was probably going, wow, he just said John Morgan. Did you hear him? That's cool. I mean, I get that way when John C. Dvorak sent me a voicemail once. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's John C. Dvorak. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Philip Keller, better known as Trapper Jack here in Cleveland. Trapper Jack left me a voicemail. It's kind of cool. And so here is Matt's side of this story. Check this out. This is really, and listen to this. There's some really cool, I'll stop it when he says it, but there's some really cool stuff here. All right, take it away, Matt.
2: Hey, Dave, Matt Lovell here, host of the newly launched Minding the Gap podcast. And this is sort of a because of any podcast story. And, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, it's one that you asked me to record and send to you we were having breakfast in Cleveland and I told this story to you and you wanted to use it as a part of a larger presentation. And so, you know, it comes down to the power of a connection and a random phone call. And when you asked me to retell this story, I really started doing some digging. And fortunately, due to the internet, you know, we all leave Trails of breadcrumbs in our social media. So I was able to really dive into your question, which was about a telephone call that I happened to randomly have with Jared Easley on the evening of December 20th, 2013, and the impact that that phone call has had on my life thus far you know, the story goes that I got into podcasting, you know, as kind of just a listener and pursuing it sometime around the middle of 2013, I suppose. And, you know, I started listening to folks like Eric Fisher and you and Cliff Ravenscraft and many, many others that I could name off. But, you know, I really wasn't thinking about starting my own podcast until later that year. And the idea came up, you know, maybe I could go to New Media Expo. And, I happened to be asking um, the opinion of Eric Fisher one night and he said, you know, the best thing to do if you're worried about meeting people or you want to know how to meet people is is just connect with these folks online, reach out to them on Twitter and and say, hey, I'm excited about meeting you at New Media Expo. And under his advice, I made a a Twitter list and, you know, I guess I started just interacting with people. and, And so being able to trace it back, I wasn't really certain where the first interaction with Jared came from. But what I was able to trace was an episode of the podcast report, which was done by Cliff Ravenscraft and Eric Fisher. And at that particular episode, they had Dustin Hartzler on that episode. And he was talking about a meetup that he was co-hosting along with Jared Easley one of the mornings of New Media Expo. So I realized that I made a tweet or something that said, hey, I'm looking forward to this meetup. And I tagged Dustin and I tagged Jared. And you know, from that point, Jared replied and was like, oh, I'm looking forward to meeting you at New Media Expo. And oddly enough, the date on that, which I found in my email, because I don't delete anything, I found that that was dated December 17th. Well, then on December 20th, I had an assignment for a photography contracting job that was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I am from Atlanta, so that was about a 10-hour drive for me. And I was on my way back on December 20th and it was late because I had to leave half the day because I had another commitment on the 21st. So I had to be home by the 21st. So I was leaving Baton Rouge at somewhere around four o'clock in the afternoon and expecting to get in really late. I had planned dinner with a friend of mine who many folks may know, James Woosley. And so I was stopping in Mobile, Alabama for dinner. And there I was sitting after dinner with James. I was sitting in the parking lot of this Ruby Tuesday in Mobile, Alabama. And I posted a tweet that I was wondering, or that I had been listening to Jared's podcast along the way, and I was hooked on it, and he had had episodes with Jeff Goins, among other people, and the question I asked was, what is your favorite episode of Star of the Doubts? And I, I'm i going to pause him there.
1: Now check this out. So here's a guy that discovered a podcast. He really liked it, and what did he do? He took to the internet and goes, hey, I'm addicted to this show. You'll hear him say... The question he asked here is, what's your favorite episode? But I've said, when you create content that has impact with people, they will tell other people, and that's exactly what Matt did. And what happened is that people just like Matt, just like Jared, came out of the woodwork to answer that question. Let's go back to Matt. And
2: I posted a tweet that I was wondering, or that I had been listening to Jared's podcast along the way, and I was hooked on it, and he had had episodes with, Jeff Goins, among other people. And the question I asked was, what is your favorite episode of Star of the Doubts? And I got responses within seconds, literally seconds. People were saying, oh, this episode and oh, that episode. And Tweets started going back and forth and it felt really cool because at that point, like I'm really was nobody. And, you know, all of a sudden this social interaction was happening as a result of just throwing it out there. And so I'm like, okay, I got these episodes and I queued them up. And just as I'm getting ready to pull out on the road, I get a direct message and it's from Jared. And in true Jared Easley fashion, it simply said permission to chat. And if you've ever got a message like that from Jared, you know exactly (laughs) how simple and straightforward that is.
1: Now, listen to how he describes the upcoming phone call here. Check this out.
2: It was exciting, you know, and I my heart rate started being like, what does this mean? Does this mean what I think it means? And I replied because I was like, no, he doesn't want to talk to me. No way. And so I simply replied, I said, Well, I'm on the road, so it would have to be a phone call. If you're up for that, here's my phone number. And so I get on the road and I have my headset in, so it's safe ish to do this. And so Jared calls.
1: Okay, I'm just pausing here. Again, I say, listen to how he describes the connection, and the call. And, you know, at the
2: time, I'm having kind of this, like, fanboy-esque moment, right, where I'm talking to, you know, this podcaster, this New Media Expo speaker, this person that at the time seemed totally this lofty untouchable person to me and we talked no kidding for two and a half hours on my ride home and the conversation ranged from new media expo to life to podcasting to goals and aspirations and and i mean pretty much anything that two friends would talk about that had known each other forever and it was an instant connection even though we had never actually met in person
1: we talked like people who had known each other forever there was an instant connection and this is one of the things that's really cool about podcasting, is when I meet people that listen to my show, in general, they don't take life too serious. We're serious about maybe changing the world and making the world a better place, but we like to have fun. We like to laugh. You're probably somewhere between 20 and 60, and you like to laugh. You like to have a good time, and you love podcasting. And so when I meet anybody that listens to my show, I've never met a listener that I go, man, I hope I don't meet that guy again. Cause we're all very similar. Hence there is that instant connection. And the other phrase he said here, I put down here, the power of a connection. Now, I think that's the name of this episode, the power of a connection, because it is amazing. And one of the things that Jared says, now Jared does not say, Hey, everybody go call your listeners. Cause he realizes you'll hear him when he talks about this here in a second, but it's these kind of little things that can really impact your audience. And in the book, he asks, what if you did this to five people? A week what would that do for your audience growth let's go back to Matt
2: and you know to keep this as brief as possible the influence that had as I was explaining to Jared about having you know making the decision to come out of a five-year-long career as a photographer and my wife and I were in transition at this point and not knowing where we were going to go next I was working full-time at a restaurant while I figured out where I wanted to go and you know at that point Jared said You know, I might have something for you and just demonstrating even at that time, the influencer and the connector that he was happened to reach into his past and pull out a name for me of somebody that did contract work in the food and beverage IT field and, you know, was able to get me in touch with that person and move me into a position or allowed me to move myself into a position really of a much more lucrative line of work. That has allowed my wife and I, you know, to date that as I'm recording this, it's it's early September 2014. So nine months later to have, be in a much better financial situation than we were nine months ago and to have paid off some debt and have money in reserve and have just bettered ourselves as a result of this one phone call that coincidence or happenstance or however you want to phrase it, what other influences, spiritual influences, whatnot that you believe in happened to your lives. I know for me personally, it wasn't a coincidence that that conversation was meant to happen that night. But for all these things that, that come out of it, I've tried to give Jared credit for it. He refuses to take it.
1: There you go. There's the attitude. Humble. Nah, it's all right. I'm just a dude. Um, <laughs> and, and kind of the humble fashion that he lives. But
2: it was remarkable. And having the opportunity to kind of trace back those breadcrumbs, Dave, that you asked me to trace, uh, or that you, you, know, you want me to retell the story, but tracing back those breadcrumbs and finding what little things it took and how any one little missing thing could have led the whole thing to not have ever happened. And thank you for allowing me to tell you this story because what it allowed for me is to reinforce how important every single small social interaction is because you never know when that one social interaction is going to lead to the next step or the next thing that could literally change your life. I did meet Jared in person at New Media Expo. We've stayed in contact and been in touch several times since then. Again, I saw him at Podcast Movement. You know, it's been remarkable the journey that he's taken this year, and I'm just very happy to call a friend. So I hope that's what you're looking for, Dave. Oh, yeah. And uh, thanks so much for the opportunity. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.
1: Matt, thank you so much. You can find him again at mindingthegap.net. And I'm going to peel back the curtain here. When he sent that email to me, I said, dude, because I'm kind of a dude kind of guy, this was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very, very cool. Exactly what I was looking for. And today I got an email back from Matt and he says, awesome, you made my day. Okay. Not sure how, but that's cool. And we do like to kind of just help each other. And because to me, when he told me that story at Denny's, when he came to Cleveland. And by the way, Matt, next time you're in town, buddy, Dennis is on me. And uh, what's really cool is I do have a couple of people that have been coming to town. And if you're ever in Cleveland, let me know ahead of time. By I'm no means a great tour guide of Cleveland because I grew up in Akron, Ohio, but I know where Denny's is. <laughs> we could probably hit the hard rock next time. Something like that. <laughs> but now let's go back to Matt and see, we'll continue on with this side of the story, but see how that little thing, that Jared did. Hey, you want to chat for a second? What an impact. Amazing. All right, so let's go back to Jared. And again, everything we talk about today, you can find dot com forward slash 426. Again, the book is called Podcasting Good to Great, How to Grow Your Audience Through Collaboration. How often are you just calling your listeners? I mean,
0: when you tell that story, it makes it sound like I'm doing it all the time. I'm not doing it every day, but I do try to get to know listeners. And I'm, David, I don't know if you, where you fall on this particular topic, but There's been so many books like Platform by Michael Hyatt and Tribes by Seth Godin. And there's all these little fancy buzzwords going around like followers and tribes and all this stuff. And I've never really liked those words because I don't want to feel like a number. I don't want to feel like a follower. I don't want to feel like someone on your email list. Like I want to feel like a person. So I try to treat people like friends. And, yeah, they might be my follower on Twitter, but I don't look at them that way. I look at them as, a hey, this is a potential friend. So I try to treat everyone that way. And I realize, you know, someone like, we'll just you pick on Pat Flynn. Pat Flynn's got a really big audience now, and that may not be realistic for him to go have phone calls and go do stuff. But Ask Pat is genius. That's his show where he has Q&A and he uses SpeakPipe, which I know you're familiar with, David. Mm-hmm. And he allows the person to ask the question and then he features them on that podcast and gives them good advice, but also shares that out with the community and then has an archived library of valuable answers to questions people want to know. And he can share out those previous episodes to people that ask that question later on. I mean, that's a unique way to generously connect with your audience when you grow. But in the beginning, when you don't have a big audience, it doesn't hurt to get out and have a phone call. If you're not willing to do that, then... You're probably not likely to go a long way in podcasting, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: Well, it's there's a running gag on my show where I've been mentioning the name Steve Stewart for about, I don't know, four months straight. Somehow I worked in there. And the reason for Cowboy that, Steve Stewart. Yep. That's it, is because the one day he sent me a question via email, and he had his phone number and his signature, and I thought, you know, I could sit here and type out an answer for about 10 minutes, or I could just call this guy back and- have a three-minute conversation and answer it and i called him up and he's like this is really dave jackson i'm like yeah, it's, it's just you know i'm just a dude he's like wow this is cool and we must have had like a 25-minute conversation and he's a great guy a good old cowboy steve and uh, yeah when he comes to cleveland in a couple weeks here we're gonna have dinner so again the power of your signature get your address your website address and if you want your phone number, get a Google voicemail, go to podcast voicemail. If you're worried about somebody getting your real phone number and, uh, get one of those. So that's been like the running gag as he was always calling in and leaving messages. And he's like, man, I swear you mentioned my name in every show. I'm like, that's it. That's going to be the running gag now. <laughs> and, uh, Steve, I'm, I'm sorry. I have to start mentioning other people <laughs> in the show. So with great, with great honor and great love and respect. I'm retiring the Steve Stewart gag. I know, I'm sorry, but I still love you, buddy. But I got to start mentioning other because of the show. (laughs) Continuing on with Jared. Here again, it was just a phone call. You know, just going something a little extra more creates that connection. And in your book really is a lot of like, here's a way that you can do just a little bit more maybe than what other people are doing. And it's that little icing on the cake then. That creates that collaboration, creates that relationship, and then that then leads to, you know, raving fans or, or just, I'm on with you, tribe and, and follower always seems weird, but your cheering section, your support group. Yep, and I talk about this in the first chapter of the book for
0: anybody who ever, you know, hasn't checked it out or is considering that. When you're by yourself, nobody really notices, but if you have an army people notice when you have an army but how in the world do you build an army and i talk about you know you you start by noticing other people first if you can begin by generously noticing them you mentioned how you mentioned steve stewart some of these different strategies you talked about that are authentic and sincere if they're not authentic and sincere david you know when people are not for real and when someone's not for real it's like okay whatever but if someone's genuine then that has the power to create rapport. And then if you create that rapport and you're consistent in that, that over time generates reciprocity where if you're just there saying, hey, I'm Dave Jackson, look at me, look at me, some people aren't going to care. But if you have multiple people saying, look at Dave Jackson, look at Dave Jackson, people will listen to that. They will take notice of that. And that can happen over time if you're first noticing other people because eventually those people will say, hey, let me tell you about Dave Jackson. And this is a powerful thing, but it really works. That rapport generates that reciprocity. And then once you have that reciprocity happen with multiple people, it starts to take notice. It's never you shouting from the mountaintop, you know, me, me, me. It's everyone else pointing to you. But what people don't see is they don't see how many times, Dave, that you hooked them up, right? They don't know, you know, the countless times you mentioned them or shared their link or, or whatever it is. But all they see is everybody else saying, man, we love Dave Jackson.
1: Well, and the fun part of that is it takes time to help enough people that they then start turning around and pointing at you, and I think that's where a lot of people maybe fall short is they want to have that the fingers pointing at them a little quicker than, than maybe expected.
0: Yeah, well, I explain that in the book. It's a plant-the-garden mentality. It's not going to happen overnight. It does take time, but for those who are serious and really wanting to genuinely connect with people, then they'll be willing to do that, and they'll find that it works.
1: Yeah, have you seen or have you done any strategies that you thought were going to work and then you're like, yeah, that didn't connect? Uh,
0: well, all the time, man. I'm all the time testing something and, and it doesn't necessarily happen. And we try to podcast. This is uh, hilarious, but it's true. We try to podcast for Podcast Movement and the idea was Podcast Movement Conversations. And the idea is that, David, you and I would have a chat and then I interview you, right? And then the next thing is you have a chat with Billy And you interview Billy and then Billy interviews somebody else. And it's kind of like a chain interview where everybody's the star. You know, they get interviewed and then they get to pay it forward and interview someone else. And the idea, I thought, oh, this is going to work. This is going to be great because all these people are going to share it with their friends because it's about them and whatever. And and it didn't work. (laughs) We did about nine episodes and it just didn't catch on. So and partly, I think maybe it was a, a reasonable idea, but we were just overwhelmed with other details of the event. But that's one example. You know, we tested it and it didn't really resonate, but maybe we could have uh, tweaked it and maybe we'll try it again down the road. But right out of the gate, it wasn't quite like I was
1: hoping it would be. But the good thing is you tried it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing I love is anytime somebody tries something different and even it doesn't work, then you, as a teacher, I have to say they're not mistakes. They're learning opportunities.
0: Well said. Yeah. It's (laughs) in iTunes if people want to look it up, podcast movement conversations. And you'll see there's only about eight or nine episodes, but. You know, the effort was there, just didn't quite, didn't quite deliver.
1: Well, your book inspired me, man. You're looking at the, I have no members, but I am am the organizer of the Cleveland Podcasters Meetup. So now I've just got to find, I got to find some Cleveland Podcasters and I will uh, interrupt there. It's at clevelandpodcasters.com and I actually do have, I think I have uh, four or five people now. We're meeting on, you guessed it, National Podcast Day, September 30th, and it's a suburb of Cleveland called Garfield Heights, and for more information, or if you know of anybody that would like to come to this, it's a Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, clevelandpodcasters.com. I've got a location. I've got a date. We we can do it once a month. It's going to be awesome. I just got to find all the Cleveland podcasters and uh, make it happen now.
0: Well, you're connected with enough people to help figure out and identify who those people are. So I think my conversations with Cliff, my conversations with John Lee Dumas and, and Rob and some of these other folks that you know, I don't think it's going to be that hard for you to start figuring out who's in that area, or even if they're not right in Cleveland, you know, how far away is Columbus? You know, is that close enough where somebody would drive for a a Saturday night podcast meetup? Maybe, you know, things to try.
1: That's right. Throw it on the wall and see if it sticks. There you go. So, man, I know you got to run here soon. So, again, the book is called uh, Podcasting Good to Great, How to Grow Your Audience Through Collaboration by Jared Easley. And Easley, by the way, E-A-S-L-E-Y. And, I, you know, two thumbs up and a couple fingers and, and a knee and a toe up, man. It's, it's It was a great book. And uh, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about it. Oh, Dave, my pleasure, man. I love what you do, and, and you just did an
0: outstanding job at Podcast Movement. So it's, it's just a huge honor to chat with you tonight. Thank you.
1: And there you go. Awesome guy. Now, I'm telling you, when we talk about making things unique, go check out his website. It's starvethedoubts.com. And he interviews basically just cool and interesting people. And he has, in some ways, different... If you read his book, you'll hear how he does his podcast, which then, when you listen to his podcast, it's kind of cool because you've got the the behind-the-scenes stuff. But it's a really cool podcast. I liked it. been listening to it, mainly because of my music background. They usually end up talking about favorite concerts and things like that. But, again, you can see here that, number one, the power of a single connection can lead to many, many different things. And it's great when I connect with somebody and I can help them. That makes me feel awesome. And when you connect with somebody and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, we heard Matt say, wow, this is the big podcast guy. We're just people. And what do you do in all these cases? You hear about people reaching out. You hear about Jared reaching out to John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn. He just reached out. What are they going to do? Say no? Okay. I think I can live with a no. Because at least then I can go to bed at night knowing that at least I tried, and that's what I've been saying. Put your fears down. What's the worst that can happen? Instead of thinking about those, what about what happened if it really took off? What's the best thing that could happen? So here, Jared is now one of the guys that helped organize Podcast Movement, and you heard him say it himself. He's only been podcasting you know a little under two years because he wasn't afraid. When in doubt, I just ask some people who know what they're doing, and. The rest is history at this point. How cool is that? Number one. And number two, did you hear him say, I'm not a writer? But a guy that said, I'm not a writer, just explained how his book went to number one in his categories.